Hi there, and welcome to Satisfied Self Podcast, a podcast for persistent women who are trying to kick butt at life by better understanding and conquering their struggles one day at a time. I'm Caitlin, and I'm a licensed independent clinical social worker in private practice in Boston, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Satisfied Self. On today's episode of Satisfied Self, we are going to be looking at attachment styles and how they impact our engagements and happiness in a relationship. Many of my clients who struggle in relationships are able to draw connections and recognize patterns of difficulties in multiple of their relationships in their lives. Maybe they notice the same struggles in romantic relationship after romantic relationship. Maybe they recognize similar feelings in the way they seek comfort from a parent as they do with a partner. Maybe they feel similarly distant from family as they do from their partner. So what I wonder about with all of my clients is how do they relate to others? And what's at the heart of this question is the idea of attachment styles. Attachment is essentially an emotional connection with another person that involves um, an exchange of comfort, um, usually care, and good feelings. John Bowlby, who is the father of the attachment theory, um, calls it lasting psychological connectedness between human beings. And he looked at attachment styles in babies, um, and he found that there are what he believed to be four characteristics of attachment. The first one is that we all have a desire to be near the people that we are attached to. Um, and people who we become attached to, we, we reference those as attachment figures. So we all have a desire when we're babies to be near our attachment figures. The second is that we return to, the, to that person, that attachment figure, for comfort and safety in the face of fear or threat. That when something feels like it's going wrong or we feel unsafe, we turn back to that person to comfort us and make us feel safe. The third is that the person that we are attached to um, acts as a base of security from which we can explore our surrounding environment. So they're our kind of home base. That's where we feel comfortable. We know we can stray only so far from that, from that person to explore. And the fourth is that anxiety that, that we have anxiety that occurs when the person that we are attached to leaves us. So we've all seen um, toddlers and infants, um, probably not infants, but toddlers um, become really distressed when a parent or caregiver leaves the room. Maybe they're getting dropped off at school, at daycare. Um, maybe their mom even just exits the room for a minute. We've all seen that happen. It's that, that incredible distress and anxiety that happens. So Bowlby saw through his research that babies who were separated from their caregiver would go to pretty extraordinary lengths. Um, like I said, you know, that image of a baby having a tantrum when their um, parent or caregiver leaves a room. So crying, like clinging to that person, frantically searching to find them. Um, they do this to prevent that separation um, or to get closer to that missing caregiver. And Bowlby thought that this reaction served as an evolutionary function. And the idea is that since babies can't care for themselves, they need to rely on adults to survive. We basically need to stay close to that caregiver. And over time, this desire became a built-in system that we all now naturally have within us. So what does attachment feel and look like? I want to keep with babies for a few more minutes here. Um, and in a couple minutes, we'll move on to attachment in adults. Um, but it's important to first understand what attachment looks like in the beginning of our lives. So basically a question to ask is, is the attachment figure nearby accessible and attentive? 
If the child believes that the answer to that question is yes, that their attachment figure is close, that they can access them and that they feel like they are being um, paid attention to, then he or, she, he or she feels loved, secured, and confident. And they will probably explore their environment, play with other ki- kids, learn how to be social. But if, however, the child believes the answer to that question is no, that their attachment figure isn't nearby, is not accessible, not being attentive to them, that child experiences anxiety and is likely to become visibly distressed um, for anything from simply just looking around for their attachment figure to um, kind of on the lower end to the other end of the spectrum being a full-out kind of tantrum, screaming, crying. They'll likely continue to... um, to do that way, to, to kind of act out like that until they're able to reestablish a connection um, with their figure, their attachment figure, or until they are essentially worn down, which we see happen over long periods of, abs- of absence of a caregiver when there's neglect or loss. And in those cases, Bowlby believe that young children experience profound despair and depression that can stay with them. So if you want to get a sense of what attachment styles and behaviors and babies actually look like in observation, you can do a Google search for what's called the strange situation. And um, this was done by uh, researcher Mary Ainsworth. Um, it's a lab study of attachment. You can watch the footage from her experiment of separating and reuniting babies with their parents um, to see how different children react based on their attachment styles. And it's really kind of fascinating to watch how not all babies react the same. Um, it is a fine attunement between the caregiver and the baby. Um, so what are attachment styles? We all have attachment styles as young babies, and research has shown this that about 60% of babies exhibit what's called secure attachment. What this looks like is that um, the child that becomes upset when the figure leaves the room, the attachment figure leaves the room, and, and that they're also easily comforted when that person returns. They want to be close to that attachment figure, they feel comforted and safe with them, and they feel really anxious when they're separated um, from them. So about 20%, so that's 60%, and we have another 20% of kids that fall into the insecure, um, ambivalent, resistant category, which was that they became distressed when they were separated from their attachment figure, but they also had a really difficult time being soothed when they reconnected with that figure, and they seem really kind of conflicted about wanting to be soothed and wanting to punish their parent for leaving them in the first place. And then we have another 20% of kids that fell into the insecure avoidant category. And these, these kids didn't really seem very distressed when their figures left. Um, and they actually actively avoided seeking contact with their parent when they were reunited. Um, there's also an additional attachment style um, called disorganized attachment in which um, a child has essentially really disorganized and disoriented behavior when separated and reunited with their caregiver. And many of kids who exhibit this type of attachment have a history of maltreatment or abuse um, and oftentimes can be afraid of their caregiver. So that's kind of a fourth option. Um, So these different styles of attachment with a caregiver are based on a variety of elements, um, including the child's temperament and personality, as well as the caregiver's temperament, their own history of attachment, um, maybe their own um, unresolved histories of abuse um, or neglect, and their attentiveness and responsiveness to their child. So what does all of this mean for us as we grow up and engage in relationships in which we are trying to attach to other people in our lives, like romantic partners? So let's talk about attachment in adults. 
There are two research, uh, two researchers, Hazan and Shaver, who um, did a lot of research on attachment in adults, and uh, they, according to them, the emotional bond that develops between adult romantic partners partly uses the same attachment system that we use when we're attaching to a caregiver when we're infants. The attachment system, which was originally adapted, um, like we talked about before, for babies to survive, um, it continues to influence behavior, thought, and feelings um, when connecting to other people in adulthood. So they found that the percentages of different attachment styles in adults are basically really similar to what the research showed in babies. That 60% of adults classify themselves as securely attached, about 20% describe themselves as insecure avoidant, um, and about 20% describe themselves as insecure, ambivalent, or resistant. So what do these categories look like in adults? We know that in babies, there's something to do with when that caregiver leaves the room. How do they react? What does it feel like when that um, caregiver reenters the room? What does this look like in adults? So adults who are securely attached tend to be more satisfied in their relationships. Um, we know that children with a secure attachment see their parent as a secure base from which they can kind of go out and, and explore the world. So a secure adult has a similar relationship with their romantic partner where they feel secure and connected um, while also allowing themselves and their partner to kind of move freely about their lives, That knowing that it's okay to have different friends and different interests um, and that the security of their relationship doesn't depend on them being together and sharing the same experiences um, and preferences all the time. Ambivalent um, or anxious uh, attachment um, Unlike securely attached couples, people with an anxious attachment tend to be pretty desperate to form um, kind of this, this perfect bond together. So instead of feeling real love or trust towards their partner, they often feel that kind of desperation um, or that is a sort of emotional desperation for intense connection. They're frequently looking for their partner to basically complete them and not just complement um, although they're seeking a sense of safety and security, um, they often take action that push their partner away. They often maybe can engage in, in um, behaviors that people might describe as smothering or, like I said, desperate. Um, it's that kind of intense desire to want to feel um, deep love and an intense kind of oftentimes unrealistic bond, um, kind of getting everything that they possibly can from a partner. Um, insecure avoidant attachment. Um, so people with dismissive um, kind of insecure avoidant attachment have the tendency to basically emotionally distance themselves from their partners. So we all maybe know these people who put up quote unquote emotional walls. Um, they often will seek kind of isolation or um, really have staunch opinions on being independent in a relationship. Um, and maybe even will take on the role of, of parenting um, just all, all in themselves. Um, they often come off as kind of selfish, maybe focused on themselves um, and over attending to kind of what makes them happy. Um, and then we have that kind of fourth attachment style that doesn't usually show up as a percentage in research, um, but that people do definitely fall into. It's that disorganized attachment. Um, so a person with a, a kind of disorganized attachment lives in a really ambivalent state. Um, they are both be afraid of being too close um, and too far away from others. So they can't um, just avoid their anxiety or run away from their feelings. Instead, they're kind of overwhelmed by their reactions and often experience intense kind of emotional ups and downs. They tend to maybe have unpredictable moods, um, feel like they have difficulty um, regulating emotion. Um, they see 
um, their relationships from working models that they need to go, they need to move towards people to get their needs met. But if they get too close, that person will hurt them. So basically they, they seek, they want to seek safety from others, but they're also afraid that the person who they're seeking safety from might hurt them. Um, so this can often present in a really disoriented or really disorganized way of engaging in relationships. So these are the four kind of, um, ways in which the attachment styles play out in an adulthood. Um, so I hear from some of my clients that their frustration with their need for constant reassurance from their partner or their desire to maintain complete emotional dependence while still engaging in a relationship. And both of these are, as I described before, variables of attachment. Um, there's, there's two variables um, that are important to consider also when you're thinking about attachment in adults. Um, the first one that I want to talk about is attachment-related anxiety. So people who have attachment-related anxiety tend to worry whether their partner is kind of available, if they're responsive, if they're giving them enough, if they're loving them enough. These are the folks who really struggle not getting maybe a call back quickly enough or they feel really um, uncomfortable having a text go unanswered for half a day. Um, people who have low levels of attachment-related anxiety are more secure in their understanding of their partner's attentiveness. Maybe they can wait hours for a reply to a text or feel perfectly okay about it, knowing their partner probably has had a busy day and will we'll get back to them. So that's one variable is the attachment-related anxiety, that anxiety of, like, is my partner there for me? Are they attentive? Are they responsive? And can I hold that, that understanding even if maybe in the moment they're not giving me what I need? The other variable is called attachment-related avoidance, um, so people have a lot people who have a lot of attachment related avoidance are the folks who maybe have the goal of staying totally emotionally independent in their relationship or you know these are the folks who maybe put up those quote unquote emotional walls. They prefer not to rely on others to open up. Um and people who have lower levels, though, of attachment-related avoidance um, are more comfortable being intimate with others. They feel more secure and comfortable and able to depend on their partners um, and are, are able to be dependable for their partners. Um, and when you think about like a prototypical kind of secure, securely attached adult, um, typically those who are securely attached would show... Um, would be pretty low on both of these variables. They would have a low level of attachment-related anxiety and a low level of attachment-related avoidance, which would would look like someone who is secure, knowing their partner can have their own life and yet um, still be a good partner, that they feel like they can provide attentiveness and responsiveness to their partner and they are confident that they get it back, um, and that they also feel like they can open up to that person and that they can be emotionally vulnerable for their partner. So if you score high or low on these variables, what does this mean? Well, most adults looking for long-term relationships identify what we would say are typical secure qualities as something that they're looking for. They say they want someone who is warm, someone who's attentive, someone who's sensitive, someone they can trust, someone who will take care of them. However, despite saying that they want this, not everyone ends up with a partner with these qualities. Some evidence actually suggests that people end up in relationships with partners who might confirm their existing beliefs about attachment relationships. So say if someone was insecurely attached as a child, they might have a hard time with a securely attached partner because maybe they operate with a higher level of anxiety around relationships or they pull away more than that partner does. 
Um, these folks might seek out someone who engages in relationships in a similar way that they do because that's what they know. That's where they feel comfortable. In a sense, we kind of set ourselves up um, to find partners who confirm our models that we um, were kind of conditioned to interact with our partners with. So if you grew up with an insecure attachment pattern, we might maybe project or seek to duplicate similar patterns um, of relating to adults. Um, even if these patterns hurt us or they, they maybe aren't in our own self-interest or they don't feel like what we necessarily want, maybe we do feel frustrated by them and can't quite put a finger on it. So basically, secure adults are more likely to, um, than insecure adults to seek support from their partners um, when they're upset or distressed. Um, they're more likely to provide support to their partners, um, whereas insecure adults maybe assume things of their partner's behavior um, during periods of conflict and also after conflict that might make their insecurities worse um, rather than better. They might assume, oh, my partner is... Um, not attentive to me, they're, you know, they're not responding to me in the way that I want, and that only kind of creates a, a vicious cycle of, of buying into them more. So is there anything that we can actually do about our attachment styles? Um, throughout this episode, I talk a lot about how you have attachment styles that we almost kind of can't control because they form when we are very, very small babies, and they have a lot to do with, with kind of... Um, personal characteristics in terms of temperament and personality, as well as those of our caregiver and the way that we interact with our caregiver, um, and that those stay with us throughout our lives. Um, so what is it that we can do about our attachment style if we are maybe, um, maybe have one that feels like it's not something that really we want to continue to kind of buy into? Um, can you do anything about it? And the answer is um, yes that you can challenge your insecurities and maybe your, um, if you're someone with an insecure attachment style, you can challenge parts of that by choosing a partner maybe who has a more a secure attachment style. And you can work on developing yourself in that relationship. And a lot of what this looks like is, is facing your fears about love. Um, and by doing that, you can build new styles of attachment um, for sustaining a satisfying, loving relationship. You can essentially learn how to securely attach to someone um, through reparative experiences and relationships. Um, new relationships can have corrective impacts on an insecure attachment style. Um, and, it, you know, if you're someone who's trying to kind of turn around an attachment style or make tweaks or changes to it, having a therapist that you're working with as you attempt to make uh, more secure attachments can help you gain more awareness and, and new skills in developing relationships. And maybe they can give you kind of that third-party, um, unbiased perspective on maybe some of the patterns that you engage in your relationships that, that you're so engaged in, you're so closely part of, that it's hard to kind of get, get a, um, an outsider's perspective on. So there are things that you can do about your attachment style, and I do recommend that if you're someone who's really trying to make big leaps and bounds in that, seeking out support um, from someone else as you do so can be really helpful. So that's today's episode on attachment styles. Um, I, you know, I look forward to um, kind of diving back into this in future episodes. I think there's so much more here to get into. Um, and here, the, today was just kind of a little flavor of what are the different styles and how do they impact us in relationships. Um, 
So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you um, heard something in here today that was useful for you. And join me back here next week for another episode of Satisfied Self. And in the meantime, don't forget to visit my website at satisfiedself.com to uh, access more material, uh, more content, um, see what else Satisfied Self has to offer you. Um, And I look forward to seeing you again here next week. Thanks. Bye.